Blog Talk Radio. God raffled history. Fuck you like a birthday! To be the man, you gotta beat the man! We'll beat you worse for being a little man! Atlanta, GA, Hotlanta, it's a free town, man! Thank you. Thank you very, very much. A very spirited crowd here today at the Television Sports Arena. Alright guys, welcome again once to GWH TV Talk on the Georgia Wrestling History Television Network. Well, not really the television network, but Georgia Wrestling History. And if you're not familiar with the site, that's gwhnewsandnotes.blogspot.com where you'll find history from Southeast Wrestling as well as information on upcoming indie events, fan fest, news, stuff like that. So, uh, uh, once again, it is Sunday. It is the first day of October, or as uh, me and Mike like to say, Rocktober. And uh, we are excited. We have, once again, another special guest tonight. But uh, but we're going we're gonna to tell you who that is just in a minute. But real quick, I want you to say hey to Mike. Mike Garrett. Hello, hello. Watching, some, uh, and, watching the last three minutes of the Eagles. Oh, there you go, the Eagles. So, uh, so this week we do not have um, we do not have uh, Kenny J, who is usually with us uh, just on our pre-tapes, and we don't have Will um, because uh, Will's got a date. He's got a Sunday Will's night date. date. I don't know, maybe they're going to church. Maybe they got church or something. I don't know. It's or maybe they're working out. So, well. I'm sure he will be fine. So, uh, so we are going to uh, do the best we can because you know, as everybody knows, Will is the brains. He knows everything about wrestling. So, but really quick, we are going to shoot through birthdays uh, this upcoming week, and then we're going. Mike's going to bring on our special guest, and we're really excited. I'm really excited. So, uh, so really quick, birthdays for today, October first: Hector Guerrero, Gabby Gilbert. Robbie E. and Rico Constantino. Happy birthdays to you guys. Uh, the 2nd of October, El Dandy. That'll be tomorrow. Uh, the 3rd, one of my all-time Georgia favorite, Barb, Bob Armstrong, as well as Max Payne, Danny Basham, John Morrison, and Mikey Bats. On the 4th, everybody make sure we wish a happy birthday to Linda McMahon, as well as Bobby Fulton, Zach Sawyer, and Abyss. On the 5th, Black Gordman, Terry Reynolds, on the sixth, Bruno San Martino, the very multifaceted Barry Darso, Manu, Dixie Carter, T.W. James, and Terry Lawler, and on the seventh, which will be our last day of the week before the next show, Malia Hosaka and Rhino. And I think, Mike, it goes without saying that this week it's pretty easy with the two choices, three choices we have of who we're going to send out as our birthday lap dancer, and I think this week it should be Terry Runnels. Over the billionaire? Well, I don't know. I mean, I mean, who would you rather give you a birthday lap dance? Linda McMahon, Dixie Carter, or Terry Runnels? Um, hmm. If it came with any money, I'm going to go with Linda, but... Between the other two, man, I'm just going to toss a coin up there. Um, 
Actually, Terry Reynolds is probably less soiled. I'll go with that. There you go. <laughs> All right. So the last couple of weeks, we have been excited to go live, and we've had some great guests. If you guys have listened, you know who those are. We're not going to bring those up because uh, why bring them up before the guests we have tonight? We are very honored, and Mike, who are we very honored to have? And they're actually calling in route. So who do we have tonight? Tonight, and uh, you may hear a little wind in the phone because this person is chilling in Virginia Beach right now. Um, the Raging Bull, Manny Fernandez. Manny, how you doing? What's up, fellas? I'm doing good, man. I heard that old thing saying, to beat a man, you got to beat the man. Too bad he never beat me. <laughs> so I guess I am the man. I guess nice. I am the man. <laughs> yeah, you we're chilling down here with one of my great students, Travis Hooker, and Jeremy Aldridge, who just got back from uh, Pennsylvania, doing a show out there with Homicide and uh, Bill Goldberg, Tony Atlas, and Bubba Ray Dudley, guys that I trained, you know. So, yeah, we had a great right. time. We had a great, well, tell great us a time. Little bit more. Tell us a little bit more about what you got going on these days. Um, I've seen oh, you got some events coming up, and you just did some events. Um, while you're on that subject, go ahead and tell us what you're doing. You have definitely not been sitting around. Oh, no, man. People sit around, they get old. Even though I'm old as, yeah. like, old as dirt. I'm old as dirt, but when people sit around too much, you get too old. But I've been uh, working with Tommy Rich, Tommy Rich Promotions, Tommy Rich School of Wrestling. I'm the head trainer there. Uh, working with autistic kids is one of my biggest joys in the world right now. You know, teach them if you want to have a dream of inspiring to be pro wrestlers, well, I'll teach them. You know, and that's that's been something big on my list, you know, that I could do, my bucket list, I guess you could call it. And I got all these things going on with uh, ESS Promotions, Eric Sims up in Pennsylvania, New York. And, and I got Rob out of Noxious up there. It's CCW in Lewistown, Pennsylvania, and all these kids coming together for a big show Halloween. We're donating proceeds to the Homeless Lit Program, one of my other big foundations I'm building, painting laughter for homeless vets. Gotcha, gotcha. Have you got a website for either one of those you want to plug real quick? Uh, we haven't got the website up yet because I've been moving, you know, from that. Uh, to just go to uh, with Tommy Rich Promotions. I don't know if they got the website up, but it's Tommy Rich School of Wrestling, Tommy Rich Promotions. So we can, okay. they can contact us through there. But uh, that's one of the things that I'm working on now. But I've been on the road so much uh, doing seminars, wrestling seminars, because if you all heard about the idiots that put a kid in the ring and he ended up getting killed in Oklahoma. And the guy never did anything, never got in the ring his life, and he got power bombed him, and still got a slam and kids die from brain trauma. So I'll go around do seminars, try to teach people the proper way to be trained on the safety and security of the ring. You know, a lot of people think the ring is a joke. It's not a joke. There's no padding. Hardly any padding. You got a quarter inch or a one inch wrestling padding and the rest of two by eights of metal. That's <laughs> people can get seriously hurt and like you said, like I said, that kid got killed. So I'm trying to educate yeah. people on the yeah, that's a good thing. People do get hurt, like you say, every day, actually, somewhere yes, across the, across America and the world. Um, yeah, but in the power of Google, people can just Google up Tommy Rich Promotions, I'm sure, and find most of that stuff. Um, so where are you actually going? 
It's in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. You can Google it up. Well, I'm pretty sure they're working on getting up a website and everything. We're working on somebody building a website and a Twitter, Twitter, whatever. You know me. I'm 63 years old, and I don't know much about this. I'm an Internet dummy. You know, if I ain't for my two daughters, I probably have nothing on the phone. All right. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, right before we came on, we were all kind of huddling up, going over things like we do with every guest, and we were talking football. Um, would you yeah. like to give a sh- you'd like to give a sh- quick shout out to your uh, undefeated three and O team right now? Oh heck yeah, man! Heck yeah, Andy Reid's done a wonderful job with them. Of course, we have a quarterback, and now he's got a good uh, offensive coordinator. Let him cut him loose. You know, Alex Smith. I've been saying this since he was playing at Utah. This kid is good if you get a good guy behind him. Let him come loose, man. He can get it down the field. Get him some dead going good wide receivers. You know, and they got a great defense, two, two of the best defensive ends in the country. Well, in the NFL, you know, not high on the NFL right now. Being a veteran, I appreciate people kneeling down and protesting their stupidity about our flag. Because we got a lot of young men out there right now defending our freedom. And, you know, these people don't care about their stupid protests. You get out there like that. They worry about, you know, think about the kid or the parent, the father, the mother, the wife, the kids. They come home and they get a folded flag. They don't think about that. That's ignorant to me. You know, that's yeah. very ignorant. You know, we yeah, have five hundred kids. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I was just gonna say I hate the NFL. Even got kind of dragged into that. Yeah, you know, it's stupid. You want to protest? Post another way. I mean, it's just ignorant. They don't realize that that national anthem was when we were fighting the British to get our freedom, our independence, and that's when that was. Created, it was you know created by that you know and, and men dying and protecting that you know when I was in the military I was damn proud of my flag and I'm still damn proud of my flag I cannot stand somebody being ignorant you know it's not about the anthem you want to protest something protest somewhere else you know go to Washington go to the White House tell them your beef don't do it against people that put their lives on the line every daggone day and go out there and battle for your freedom that's ignorant to me. Yeah, and a lot of people feel that way. Tons of people. Um, I think uh, from what I've seen today, I think it may be kind of tapering down and wearing off. But you know how America is. There'll be something by Friday that'll take the place of this, and it'll be the next big thing. And uh, you know, and it'll kind of divide everybody. But um, (laughs) I don't know why. I mean, you know, it's like this. It's like this. When I was in the military, everybody's military. Everybody was soldier, white. Brown, black, yellow, pink, whatever color you were, you're a soldier. We fought only one flag. There was no 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 difference in us. We were all equal. You know? A bullet yeah. doesn't have it doesn't have the eyeballs that to, to, to define what color you are. A bullet finds you no matter what you are. And that's what I don't understand yeah. about people. You know? Yeah. So yeah, I can like I can that. honestly say as a I can honestly say as a military brat probably the coolest thing about being a military brat was uh, no matter where I grew up, um, everybody, we had people from not only different uh, different ethnic backgrounds and different nationalities, but we had people from different countries. Their militaries were there at our military base, and we went to school. All the kids went to school together, and we all lived in the same quarters. So there was no class. Nobody was better than anybody else. There wasn't an issue with that. I, I never experienced that until my dad got out of the military and I lived in Atlanta, and there was only one African-American person in the entire school. 
Right. Yeah. Right. It's, it's, like, it's like the saying goes, we're all created equal. You know, we all created yeah. equal. We're all God's children. You know, and, and the stupidity that, you know, raising your fist, well, it's like this. If you're going to raise your fist, your fist in the air, so what if the white guy does it? So what if the red guy does it? They all fist in protest. It's the same thing. But I think if you want to protest what's going on in the country, go to the White House. Go to the White House. Go protest here. I mean, that's what we have. I'll be honest, Manny, there'll be something else that they'll want to protest next week yeah. and then two weeks after that and then one week after that and then four weeks after that. and then, It's just the way America's become. It's just a lot of old, man. People just stay butthurt about every. If, it, if there's not something to get butthurt about, just wait a minute. Like the weather, yeah. it will change. Yeah, and I wish they stopped protesting these fake schools, these trash bag schools, trash bag wrestlers that I see on Facebook all the time. Why we promote that garbage, I don't know. It just hurts our profession. It hurts you. the guys. When I was l- lucky enough to come on West Texas State in 1970, the last of a dying breed of East Texas, trained by Funk and Murdoch and Mulligan. That breed has trained everybody. Bruce Brody, Dan Hansen, Tito Santana, Ted DiBiase, Sully Blanchard, you know, me, Barry Windham. You go Bobby Duncan, and they say, you can go on and on. And I was in the, the dying breed of guys that came out, the last guy that came out to be trained. And here we have these peace magazines. They're getting people hurt and killed and putting a bad name on professional wrestling. That irritates me, too, because even though I didn't want to be in this business, once I got into it, I fell in love with it. I protected it. I took pride in it. Every time I get in the ring, I got in the ring last night with a homicide 20 years younger than me, and we battled and then when I got back to Raven, was marking out going, oh, my God, man, Fernandez, oh, my God, you can still move. My God, you're still glad to Oh, my God, he was out there talking to Fox. Man, Fernandez, you still go. Well, of course I can. That's all I've done in my life, being an athlete. You know, I take care of my body, and I teach people the same way. I take care of the kids I train because I was taken care of when they brought me into this business. They took me under their wing, taught me everything, took care of me. Yeah, they showed me how to be tough. But, you know, I was tough anyway. I was an amateur wrestler all my life. But it's just right. protest season that means something, that protects somebody, you know. I, I, it's just, it, at this point in my life, it's just irritating with the ignorance of what are we doing. There's so many young kids like me. I'm thinking of, you know, Terry Funk told me this. He said, who are you to stop? Because I would, I picked and choose who I trained. I trained JBL, Booker and Steve Ray, R.T., uh, Terry Taylor, Barry Windham. Um, Crash Holly, Mo Visero, Mo Mabel, Mo Visero, whatever names they gave him. Those were my guys. I would pick guys that I knew could make it in this business. Now, you know, Terry got mad at me and said, Who are you to kill anybody's dream? We took you under our wing and you were a dumbass fighting all the time. We had to keep you out of bar fights every damn night just to keep you in the business. So, who are you to kill somebody's dream? You train them. And they want to learn, you teach them. And that was my mentor. So, when he told me that, I started teaching. You know, and I love teaching. I love showing people the proper way to work. And, you know, last night when it, when everything was done with me and homicide, the people popped. They were like, damn, he still got it. What, am I supposed to lose it because I'm old? <laughs> that just makes me laugh. Right. What was your response <laughs> yeah. to Raven whenever he uh, acted so flabbergasted that you actually had cardio and all and stamina in the ring last night? What, what did you I, say I in your him. response? I, I thanked him. I mean, Raven has been a big Manny Fernandez mark since he was a kid. He, when he was watching me in Florida when I started and he was growing up, he's always been there. You know, Raven, I thanked him, but I told him, yeah, you know, you're one of us. 
you know, it, it, yeah. I would never do that personally because the way I was brought up in the business. But when I was young and they would make me sit there and watch the matches, when I was still playing football with Texas State, I had to sit up in the stadium there and, and Jerry and Dickie would make me watch the matches. Sometimes I got into it. I couldn't believe the stuff they were doing. From back then, those guys were tough. They were well. The guys that, the yeah. guys that I saw growing, growing up in West Texas, I walk in the bar, I'd, go, I'd walk the other way. Now you walk in the bar, you laugh at them. You know, they look like idiots. These guys are men. <laughs> you know, you walk in. I walked in one time. There's six foot seven, uh, six foot ten, black Jack Mulligan, seven foot four, hundred, a giant, six foot five, Dick Murdoch, six foot two, Jerry Funk. What direction would you go? <laughs> you know? Yeah. No <laughs> you wouldn't want to look in their direction and piss them off. I'll tell you that. Yeah, I agree. You mentioned Tito Santana earlier when you were name dropping a little bit. I happen to remember you 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 jogged a little cell in my brain, uh, or maybe it's this Coors Light I'm drinking. Um, but damn, uh, I need one. Did you? <laughs> did you <laughs> hey, ask, ask my buddy Stony. I told him before the podcast. I said, you know what? I sent my wife out for beer, and this is the sixth time since September twentieth, two thousand fourteen, that I'm drinking. <laughs> So it's, a, <laughs> cool. it's an event. We're we're celebrating you, Manny. But no, seriously. There you uh, go. Tito Santana, right. hey, you, hey, we put Tito Santana, Merced Solis, you mean my tight end in West Texas State? <laughs> no, I was going to say, did you know that he actually uh, tried out and sat on the bench for three games as the Kansas City Chief as well? Just yeah. yes, I did. Okay. Yes, I did. I Merced did. Solis, I did. he was a great tight end when, he, when, yeah, when I, we were in West Texas State. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He did, sure did. He was a heck of a tight end for us at West Texas State. You know, we just didn't have a good quarterback. We had a lousy quarterback named Tully Blanchard. Hey, the guy playing tuba in the band. Yeah. <laughs> That's the you, quarterback he was. And after Tully left, we won back-to-back conference titles at West Texas State. We had a kid from California, came in from UCLA, quarterback. We ended up winning two division titles. That kid was good. Nice. Yeah. Nice. He made me an all-medical, so that had to be nice. <laughs> nice. Hey, I didn't know Tully Blanchard. I, I don't know if you're shooting or what, but I didn't know Tully Blanchard was a quarterback. Oh, yeah, he was a quarterback at West Texas State. Still holds the interception record at West Texas State. <laughs> I did not. I, re, I remember you and uh, Thunderbolt Patterson kicking him and Arn's ass, but I did not yeah. know that. I did not know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, he was a quarterback. He was a damn good quarterback in high school. I'll give him that much. When he got to college, he, he sucked. And you know what's funny? Huh. When we talk about that right now, we're talking about that. Dick Murdoch was one of the biggest boosters at West Texas State. And he passed him when I lost him. It was, it's, God rest his soul, because I missed him so much. When I lost him, me and Jerry Funk put a case of Coors Light in his coffin. That's why I said, Coors Light, you're going to get rocked. Nice. He went to heaven with a case of Coors Light. <laughs> Right on. That'll get you there. Cool. And yeah. right before, uh, right before we went on, Manny, you were asking me um, uh, about the Eagles, and uh, actually, I kind of went into the game with you guys. Uh, our only loss, and, and, I, and I knew. I said, "Man, there's." <laughs> I have told Sony and Will and many other people, uh, including my friend Cliff at Eagle One Hundred Two here in Augusta, his wife Heidi, uh, told everybody straight up. I said, "Hey." The Super Bowl and the AFC, it, that road goes through Kansas City. And, you know, I am biased because I'm an Eagles fan and y'all have Andy Reid. 
But right. you were asking me, did, did, did the Eagles win today? And actually, they just about, I would say about 90 seconds ago, finished up the Chargers game 26-24. We got that win. Uh, that was oh, supposed to be good. an easy one for good, us. Good, good. So, yeah, we next week we go. Yeah, we, we, we play the Cardinals next week, so I feel really good about that. I really feel good about the next few weeks, but uh, we're NFC. But, no, seriously, I do think the Chiefs are, are going – they're going to the AFC Championship game. I promise that. Um, I, I'll tell you this. I think I'm, – I'm with you. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm with you on that, but no, I think good. it's going to be Chiefs in Atlanta. I know Atlanta took a bump today. Uh, Buffalo's coming up. It's a surprise to people. And, of course, the Patriots are failing bad. But I think it could be Atlanta. Atlanta don't have no speed bumps coming along the way besides Buffalo from the NFC. So yeah. uh, I see Atlanta and Kansas City. That's, that's, that would be because I love Matty Ryan. I'll tell you right now. I think Matty Ryan yeah. is a the quarterback. I really respect him. I respect him in college. I respect him now. He had a bad you – know, uh, he doesn't play defense, so you can't blame him for that, what happened in the Super no. Bowl. But, you know – it's like me blaming Rick Flair for being an idiot. He's just an idiot. <laughs> I, me, me personally, I kind of blame some of the coaching too. But, but uh, as Tony will probably attest, uh, the Falcons, man, they are loved here, and that was yeah. that was a very depressing Super Bowl. <laughs> that was, golly, it's like uh, nobody wants to be the team in the highlight reel that that made you that big monstrous record or the greatest Super Bowl comeback ever. And forever it was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in their orange suits. Anytime Joe Montana or anybody back in the day set records and stuff, you usually saw the highlights, and it was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in those orange uniforms that these people were making. I remember that. I remember that. It's so funny you brought that up. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say now the biggest comeback in Super Bowl history is going to always have the damn Falcons in the background, and that sucks. But go ahead. Yeah. What were you going to say about the Buccaneers and the Orange? Buccaneers, man. When I started pro wrestling in 1979, after I got released by Chiefs, that's when they had uh, Doug Williams and uh, that uh, house and wide receiver, and they had them funky uh, orange Buccaneers uniforms. That funky butt-looking Buccaneer. You know, we when Dusty had me, Barry Windham, um, it was me, Barry Windham, and the Briscoes. We challenged the Buccaneers to a softball game every year for for fundraiser. And we had a blast playing them. <laughs> we had a blast. One time I closed my the hell out of Doug Williams. <laughs> wow. That's, that's, yeah, that's, that's when they were that's when they were like brand new. I mean yeah, I still remember new. I actually lived I actually lived in Germany and I had to listen to on the radio. And right. what their second season they went to the wild card and yeah. they beat the Philadelphia Eagles in the wild card game. Yeah. Nice. Yes, they did. Uh, and they did. And uh, Doug Williams had a heck of a career there. He just got beat up at first, you know. Then they had uh, then they had Steve Young. When anybody got Steve Young, he didn't do much of nothing until he got to San Francisco. But I enjoyed my time in Tampa Bay with him. I had so much fun. In fact, me, Bill Wyndham, Doug Williams, and Kevin, you know, I think it was Kevin Houck, he's that wide receiver he had. And we were the ones at Christian uh, Bush Gardens, that Scorpion um, roller coaster. We were the first people to ride that. We pissed me that. We had a blast. Nice. I had a blast. You know, Steve Young. Steve, team. Excuse me. Steve Young Probably came in, uh, in Tampa Bay. When Steve Young was starting in Tampa Bay, before yeah, he, he became a god, 
Do you know he suffered eight concussions in Tampa Bay yeah. before he ever went to the San Francisco 49ers? And that's just the concussions that took him out of the game. He said yep. that, you know, because we, we all witnessed his toughness, whether we like the 49ers or not. But um, he there were some games where he couldn't see straight and he would go back to the huddle anyway. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? But there there was eight documented concussions. Yeah, but that's old school. That's the way we played football. It wasn't put a two-two on the quarterback can't hit him. Steve Williams, yeah. you know uh, the, Steve Young. I mean, I'm sorry, he got a lot of lookout blocks. Look out, here he comes! <laughs> but yeah. you know, that's the way football was played back then. They were tough guys, and you know now they're slim and quick, and you know all ultra performance guys, you know with all the supplements. But the babies, cry babies. Steve Young got beat up. Yeah. He got beat up. I mean. I remember the old days, you know, when Spine Sarkinson would run a defensive play all around the field, and they would die to kill him. When they got a chance, they knock him out, you know, but it's just it's the same thing for us. I mean, well, it was fun in the days, you know, when I got to wrestle, you know, Holly Race and Tony, Tony Funk and all them guys. The guys that made the day. The old timers showed, took a young kid under his wing, showed him the way, the proper way to do things. How to carry yourself in and out of the ring. I mean, yeah, I, I got to boss myself. That is my reputation. So what was I going to do? Yeah, I wasn't thinking nothing much. You know, I grew up in the body of the San Jose. I grew up a tough kid with a mother raised me, and that was it. I became an athlete. I learned how to fight when I was young. I had eight brothers and sisters if we can. So my mom taught me how to fight young. So, you know, I was more afraid of my mom than anybody. Yeah, I wasn't scared yeah. of shit. I was scared of my mom. <laughs> She was mean with a shoe. <laughs> and you said that you really just spent 40 years trying to pursue the, your passion for football in the, in the National Football League. At what point, Manny, did you did you say, okay, this may not be what I need to do, and then you kind of gravitated. What got you toward wrestling in your wrestling career? Because you're, uh, you're considered a, a living legend in wrestling. So oh, what, no, what, I don't, what was I, the transformation? Uh, getting a pink slip in my locker and have my gear gone. <laughs> yeah, there you, you go. Know, you, know, you go to your locker and you get a pink slip and your gear is gone, you know you're done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's when I threw hands up in the air and I said, no, I didn't get a J job because my PTSD, now that I know I have PTSD, I was diagnosed with PTSD in 2001. Severe PTSD. And I didn't know. I thought I was just a mean ass. No good. So I'm an asshole. Always have been. I don't deny that. People call me an asshole. It's a compliment. You know, it doesn't hurt my feelings. People's words don't hurt my feelings. Only time you're going to hurt me is if you touch me. When you touch me, I'm going to put you down anyway. But that's when I decided. That's when I told Murdoch. I said, okay, you guys win. Let's do this thing. And, you know, it's, it, you know why I love training? Nobody ever charged me a dime. Not a dime. Three, you know, five of the best, greatest wrestlers in the history of the wrestling. Dory, Terry, Murdoch, Mulligan, you know, Dennis Stamp, Street Hanson, all the guys, Harley Ray. All them guys that took the time to teach me, they didn't charge me a dime. That's why some of the kids I train, I don't charge them one penny. Why? It was given to me for free. Why do it? But I want them to train right. I, just, you know, I go to these places, and some of these kids are getting like skittered in Oklahoma. I had these um, the autistic kids that was ripping them off. He was charging $220 a month and do nothing. He had another student training. How can you have a student training when the students don't know how to train? You know, that's, that's the kind of crap that I've seen around the country. That's why I'm like, I call myself like a higher gun. Kenny Anderson, Mr. Anderson, watch me go up to your 
Ricky Morton's calling me all the time. Man, get your butt down here. Guys like this, he ain't calling Mother Effort no more. <laughs> and I got Tommy Rich. Tommy Rich school. So I never have time to do my own thing, but everywhere I go around the country, I have talent. Virginia Beach, I got Sam Bass, I got Travis Hooker. I had so many good kids here in, in New Jersey where I trained Homicide, Low Key, Hook Squad, Lil Ivy. I mean, I had kids everywhere. You know, and, and, and of course, you have the top names. You could be all Booker T, Stevie Ray, R Truth, Terry Taylor, Barry Windham, Crash Holly, you know, and Mo, Mo, Mabel, Bissell. I mean, I enjoyed my time sharing the knowledge that was given to me, given to me by the greatest. And to this day, nobody's greater than me. I don't see what anybody says. I don't even keep talking about Mount Rushmore, Rushmore, and you put Hulk Hogan out there. I'm saying the giant got in his face and said, you are the worst thing that will happen to pro wrestling. He told him that in the dressing room. And he was going to beat the hell out of him until he got another million dollars not to do it. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. yeah. That's what he's got so Bobby Heenan probably got He probably got that in his book. Bobby Heenan will tell you. He said Andre was going to, at WrestleMania, Andre was going to push him off that damn, he was going to come out in that car, the electric car there where you go, it's high electrical suit. Andre says, he comes out there and I'll push him off. So he himself a book where he had to go back and tell Vince, hey, you better get him, not let him go in that car. He's going to end up in the, in the audience. Andre ain't going for that. Andre couldn't stand the guy. You know, Andre, there's a lot of people who don't understand about Andre. Andre the Giant was proud of being a wrestler. It wasn't a gimmick. He was my tag team partner in Florida in 1979. He went out there and wrestled on that, took the arm, everything. He was proud of that. He didn't consider himself a gimmick. That's what I loved about Andre. You know? Right. We had some great, great Andre stories last week with somebody you may know, Manny, uh, Ron Fuller, the Tennessee stud. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, dude. Andre, I don't know why. I was in college when I first met Andre Giant. I was a junior in college, you know, Vietnam vet, junior in college. I had to go pick him up to the airport. Me thinking, you know, pro wrestling, you know, I had to be a to think of the giant. So when I saw him coming down the airport, I went, oh, my God, how's he going to get in my pants then? <laughs> I had a chance out. Nice. I can't put this man in my car. <laughs> and we ended up looking like the movie Gator with Burt Reynolds because I took the key top off and said it was a book. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I mean, I love that man. He took such good care of me. I don't know why he like you know I played cribbage with him all the time, and every time he wanted me to drink a shot, he gave me a glass glass. He never gave me a shot glass. It was a clear glass full of tequila. I said, "Okay, boss, you drink." I'd go, "Oh, I'm not boss, bro. I don't want to drink. No, you drink, boss. Okay, I want to argue with you." <laughs> <laughs> nice. He was a great guy, man. I, I miss my time. Wow. I spent years with Andre. I, if we kept him murdered off in Funk when they had the territory, I got to spend time with all these guys when I was in college. You know, there was just, I was going like, man, I'm in college. I'm playing football. Don't talk to me about it. I don't want to be, but I enjoy it. I had fun. I was watching you guys. It was fantastic. That's kind of what I do with the kids now, you know. Like right now I'm busy. I train travel kids about five years. I haven't seen them in a while because I've been all over the country. And because some idiot got stupid about my background, I ended up doing two and a half months of prison for almost, you know, beating the crap on almost trying to kill the bastard. And then it goes to call the cops. You know, they want to talk crap, muscles. They got their Facebook muscles. When you confront them, they call the cops. I learned a lesson from that, you know. Something I should have never done in my life. Never been in trouble in my life. I've got them for many fights, but never got in trouble. But this one was talking to me as a big one. Lucky I got out of two and a half months. 
You couldn't press charges. So, you know, I'm not bothered that, but you know, it's things you experience against stupid people. And, you know, I go around telling my kids all over the place. I got a bunch of dumb kids, and they, when they hear about people talking crap about Manny Fernandez, they want to, trust me, they want to hurt them. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. love, man. If you can't love the person you're teaching, then don't teach them. Don't teach them. Don't steal yeah. the money. You know, if you can't get them to another level. See, Ben man, when he tried to get me to work for me and move to work for him, I told him to go fuck off. I don't know if I can say that, but I just did. You know, and. and no, you're good. And he respects me for that. When I call him and William Regal say, I got three kids to try out, Travis just had his tryout two months ago. As long as Manny Fernandez goes, Manny Fernandez got two guys. He always accepts one guy for tryouts. And I respect him for that. I don't respect him what he did to our business, no. I, I appreciate his marketing skills. He got ton of marketing skills. He makes a ton of money marketing, you know. And I appreciate that. <laughs> but not what he's done to our business. It's become a joke. Yeah, there's you know? a lot of people say that they just rue the day that he uh, came on TV and says he wasn't going to insult the. Anyway, changed it from wrestling to sports entertainment. And, you know, yeah. ever since then, it's been kind of a something where it's like maybe, maybe yeah, kind of a joke. And uh, went went more viral with online Internet stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You know, let me tell you something. Last night when I was at that show, they had those handicapped heroes. They had the guys that had one leg and some other guy. I've never seen him before. I admire what they're doing. in the ring with their handicap. As I said, my district kids are artistic, but they, they have a talent for something. And when they want something that bad, that's what they learn, and that's their talent. They get a hold of scraps, a hold of something, and they can carry it out like nobody's business. Man, I've seen him do my matches that I did years ago with Arn Anderson, Colin Blanchard, you know, guys with Ronnie Garvin, and they get in there and they do that match. I'm looking at him going, God, that's pretty good. <laughs> you, you guys are better than the idiots to think they're superstars. And they get in there and carry it out, and they do a great job. But, you know, last night I was watching those guys, and, and I admired it, their, their pride of being a, trying to be a pro wrestler, but, man, it scares the crap out of me. It just doesn't look right to me. Seeing a guy limping around with no leg, you know, and then these big old yeah. guys pounding on him. It's just, oh, it scares the hell out of me. It just, it didn't look right to me. And I didn't want to tell him that. I, I admired him. I said, I mean, you can have a job, a place for you. But it just didn't look right to me. It's just, like, I see some people that don't even, shouldn't even be in the ring. Shouldn't even be in the ring. It's just, there's some things, before in the old days, this business was about men, tough guys, everything, that belonged in the ring. You can look at some shows and there's, you look at people and go, boy, you don't belong in this business. And everybody thinks that you'd be a pro wrestler. That's the sad thing about our business. Every piece of trash that buys a pair of boots and goes to some idiot to train them, all of a sudden he's a pro wrestler. And then they don't want to hear you tell them, no, brother. Hey, like Ricky Morton told him one time, I go to school more than all the time. He said, brother, you should be selling popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> nice. You know? Nice. Um, Let me just. Go ahead. Let me ask you a question. Um, you spent a lot of time with Rick Rude. Did y'all travel together? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Rick Rude was one of his, my back. He always had my back. And it was, it was, Rick Rude's greatest line was every time we got off an airplane and went to the hotel, he says, "You think you could uh, stop one night? Just go one night without a fight?" <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Oh, That's gonna yeah, I, did, I pull, I pull my ribs on Rick Rude. I had more fun with him. I pulled ribs on him all the time, man. He was he was wonderful. 
He was great. Look, Rick Rude was in his business. He came to me for WCW. They put him with me, and Dusty said, hey, this is the work of your just a gimmick. You know, he listened to me. He never once told me, no, I, I'm going to do it my way. No, he, every time I said, come here, tag me, he would listen to me, man. He, that man was tough as nails, two-time wrestling champion of the world. He could rip it. He could smash a pair of pliers. He was a little Danny Hodge. You could crush an apple in his hands. So he wasn't afraid. But, he, you know, he listened to me. And you know, nowadays you try to tell somebody that, and they go, yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's, it's stupid, you know. But he right. was wonderful, brother. I miss him. He was wonderful. He was a great guy. Great Y'all guy. were tag team champions two or three times, right? Maybe more than that, Maybe. right? No, we never lost the belts. We never lost the belts. They did that after Rude signed with the – like, they were screwing Rude around. I was going to have a million dollars a year with Ted Turner. Now, I thought he was getting the same kind of money, but he was getting 150000 a year. And I went, what? He says, well, I got asked. I, I want to sign with David Jesse. Go, bro. We're in this business to make money for our family. If you got that kind of money with Vince, go sign. Don't worry about me. I got your back. They won't take the belts. I kept the belts. You know, they made new ones because Crockett got all stupid and said, got in the dress. That's the night I was going to beat the hell out of Ric Flair in the dressing room. When he comes up, well, we can make new ones. I said, go ahead. He goes, what's your problem? I said, what's your problem? Sit down before I knock you out. <laughs> you know, I don't play. And anybody, if it wasn't for Dusty Rhodes, I would have kicked all their asses. Dusty Rhodes kept me. Right. I was Dusty Rhodes' pistol. He kept me around for th- almost 30 years. If I, if I didn't have Dusty Rhodes as my booker, I probably would have never been a pro wrestler. But he kept me around all them years because I was a pistol. I took care of people. You know, you have a problem with this guy? Okay, don't get, get in the ring with Manny. You know? I love Dusty because that's one of my mentors. And, you know, he and kept me around. When other people would have got rid of me, he kept me around. And you were also tag team partners with Dusty for over uh, 80 matches, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah but we did tag teams. If, uh, Dusty's big ego about me is because he knew that when they brought me to Florida, uh, they had the wrestling background, and Murdoch and Funk and all them guys. Told them guys, hey, this kid's good. He's a damn pistol, man. He can get in the ring. So and when I got to Florida, they had the five best hooker shooters you can even think of in this business. These old guys will rip your head off and sit down your shoulders, bro. Lutez, Carl Goff, Hill Matsuda, Jack and Jerry Bristol. I had to get in the ring with them, and they hurt me. They hurt me. I was 27 years old, and them guys ate me up. Lutez was 71 years old and ate me up like I wasn't even there. And then when they got all done, I think, well, I'm done. And I was hurting. I come down, Eddie Graham, the first time I ever saw Dusty Rhodes in my life, him and Jerry Briscoe with Eddie Graham came down, and they looked over and he goes, yeah, the kid's tough. They're right, he's tough. I said, tough? You don't want my off for 30 minutes. How am I tough? You guys old fuckers beat me up. <laughs> yeah. goes, you didn't quit, though, did you? I go, I'll never quit. They go, that's why you're tough. <laughs> yeah. 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 Thunderbolt, Patterson, Rick Rude, uh, good God, Dusty Rhodes, out of all the Timmy Valiant. Timmy Valiant. Who, who was your favorite tag team partner? What was your favorite tag team run? And if that's two different answers, good. Let's hear both. No, it's just one. Me and Rude. I love Rude. I mean, me, me and Rude had so much fun together. I mean, I mean, it was a joy to work him when we worked with the Lord Express, Ricky and Robert. You know, it, it was, like I said, the man listened. And, you know, he was green when he came in here. Best of all, that stupid Memphis territory, that idiot Lawler. Lawler was the one to beat everybody. Lawler don't like me because I wouldn't let him beat me. I beat the hell out of him, threw him out of the ring. You know, he ain't shit to me. You know, you don't go around embarrassing people because you're on the territory. That's the only reason you're on top. Go to hell. I don't play that game. You know, you got to prove yeah. yourself. 
to me, I'm a man. You're going to prove yourself to me, okay? And, and that's what I loved about Rick Ruth. He was always there. I get in fights. He had my back. Yes, he'd get angry at me. I say, God damn, we got to do this every night. Nah, I'm sorry, dude. But he was always there for me, and we took care of one another. Was his family, me? I mean, I got real close to him. So when I was in Japan and I heard he passed away, that really bugged me. I mean, that's almost as bad as losing Bruiser Brody. Bruiser Brody was like my brother, you know, when he got murdered in Puerto Rico. That's why I did what I did. I mean, you know, but he was, Dusty was my booker. Dusty was my mentor. Dusty was, me and Dusty had a love-hate relationship. When he pissed me off, I hated him. And when he did, and he straightened out one and was mad, then I loved him. That's how he lived. He either was mad at me and put me in the doghouse and put me with idiot partners, or he, he I was everything all right. He pushed me on top of Wahoo, you know, and Wahoo. And, of course, and then he saved me. Then when I stretched Ric Flair and he said I'd never wrestle for the world title again, I said, thank you, sir. No problem. Save me. <laughs> I don't want no right. world title anyway. You know, I ain't about that. I never aspired to be a pro wrestler. Didn't want to be a pro wrestler. I just couldn't play football all my life. Right. Let me ask you this. Out of, out of your time with all the, uh, gosh, AWA, NWA, WC, out of all your time in wrestling, um, who would you say may be the most overrated wrestler? Or, or, or maybe, let's not say overrated, the biggest ego slash overrated wrestler. Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan, flat off the bat. You know, one time I, when he first came out of Cherry Bowie, it was at AWA at Cherry Bowie, and he came to the Checker Dome in St. Louis. I was working for, for Harley Race. I was in the Kansas City Territory. He brought me in to pop the territory there. And he came in from... Minnesota, and I asked Harley, what do you want me to do with him? Harley said, stretch him. I said, no problem. I went out there and heard him. I didn't care. I think he's the most... Right. Andre was right. You know, once he did that thunder lift thing with uh, Sylvester Stallone, it took off his... It became entertainment then. No, he was entertainment. I'll go ahead and have thunder lift. And Andre was right. Yeah. I mean, uh, his words are right. I mean, the business went to shit after this entertainment crap. You know, and it's, it's like this. If we're entertainment, why do we have a commission for wrestling? That's what gets me. We have these commissioners in wrestling. Vince got rid of his in New York. He's smart. But all these other states, they want to commission wrestling, and then they say it's entertainment. Well, it's entertainment. Why, why do we have to need a license? You know, if you think we know who's winning, then why do we need a license? They don't do nothing for the wrestlers. It's, you know, it's what gets me about this. In the NFL, we had a players union. We took care of each other. Years and years ago, if you read Terry Funk's book, there's a chapter in there about my craziness, me running over people when they piss me off. But one of the major things he says about Manny Fernandez, Manny Fernandez is not about money. He's about the boys. He protects the boys. Why? Coming from the NFL and the players' union, that's what I thought we could have in wrestling. But you have all the kiss asses, brown noses, the Rick Flair types, Charlie Blanchard types. They ain't going to do it. You know, they ain't going to do it. So there you got a bunch of wrestlers get hurt and have no retirement. Nothing, you know. So, so was Ric Flair? Was he against the Wrestlers Association? I mean, a oh, union or? Yeah, they were all against that. Ric Flair was no part of that. And you know, it, just, if everybody knows the true story about Flair, they wouldn't like that man too much, you know. You know, I, I can't stand a guy that would leave his son in a hotel and then come back and his son's dead from old and No, that's not a father to me. I have two beautiful daughters, seventeen, eighteen. I've never had a problem with him. Never, you know, I said, you don't do this, you do. You damn sure don't make your dad a grandfather until he's dead. <laughs> wow. Damn. Yeah. Yeah, that, I, at the time, 
I bet at the time he was making like top dollar too. Whenever you were trying to to instill that or kind of incorporate that or even mention it, I bet he was on top of the world financially. No, he's actually everybody thinks he was amazing. He was actually a debt to a lot of people until people in Charlotte, North Carolina, hate him. He almost goes Jim two three million dollars. There's a lot of people. He don't go around there. He left a lot of places in debt, big time debt, now big time debt. So there's a lot of people that really don't care for Ric Flair, you know, outside the wrestling world, the mark, because of woo, you know, I didn't sell his woos. I bet that me, I'm a different person. You know, it's just like I tell people. I didn't inspire to be Ric Flair. I didn't inspire. I wanted to be Manny Fernandez, a football player, and, and die as a pro football player. That's what I want. I want to be one of my mom created. She created a football player. She told somebody, no, I didn't create no convict. I created an athlete. My son's an athlete. Okay, leave my son alone. Oh, so, right. Um, that's why on, when the I flip, got on, on the flip side of that uh, previous question, of all the people that you've wrestled against, not your tag team partners, is there somebody that you think is highly underrated? You know, not not somebody that's just great, everybody knows, but somebody that that didn't get the recognition they deserved that were just great. Several, several homicides number Good. one. You can see him on LAX That stupid Jeff Jarrett he's just, Jeff Jarrett's about as useless as tits on a bull, man That guy everywhere he's been It's all about taking the money from people And running down the organization That's what they did with TNA And Dixie Carter, poor thing um, Homicide, low-key My two guys, low-key, homicide, hit squad up in New Jersey Those guys will rip these people apart You put them in there with the Hardys The hit squad will rip them apart They wrestled hard like me and Rude did And we're solid but, you know, you got to have the little candy cake uh, pretty boys, you know. And we did. We had Ricky Morton, Robert Gibson, Rock and Roll Express, one of the hottest tag teams in the country. Probably one of the best teams. And then you had the ugly ones, me and Rude. Of course, Rude was the, the good-looking guy. Then you had Hawk and Animal. But the Rock and Roll Express, they hung with us. These clowns right now, these uh, the hardies, they couldn't last with us. They'd be in there crying, oh, they beat up my body. Oh, they hurt too much. They're too stiff. You know? But that's the way I was taught the business. If you cannot pound the guy without breaking his teeth, pound his nose, breaking his nose, then that's cool. That's cool. You don't hurt the cross. That's the eyes and the nose and the mouth. Never hurt the cross. Everything else is open. These times, oh, you jump too hard. Oh, they're, like Jerry Lawler tell me, man, you and Wahoo can kill each other. I say, yeah, well, that's me and Wahoo. Well, you know, I can't take off. I say, don't worry about it. I know how to do the other things. I got him out there and I chopped the living piss out of him, beat him up to him on the top rope. <laughs> that's me, man. I'm the asshole, you know what, and I, I'm the biggest asshole in this business. You know, and people what, trying to talk crap about me, let them talk. What's crazy is I'm sitting here. Stoney will tell you that when I'm not watching football or NASCAR, that I'm watching old wrestling. Um, and in the background, uh, a match just came on. Uh, you against Tommy Lane, L-A-N-E. Do you even remember that guy? Yeah, man. Tommy Little Tommy Lane was a tough little guy, man. I love Tommy Lane, the RPMs. Mike Davis and Tommy Lane. He was called Decimated the RPMs. He was a tough little guy, man. I love to work him. I love to work him. But see, these people that I got to work, they knew my style. I mean, look, homicide. Everybody knows about homicide. Last night when he hit me so hard in the jaw, man, I go look at him. I go, damn, he's trying to break my jaw. And he goes, I learned from Manny Fernandez. <laughs> I started laughing. <laughs> There you go. Let me ask you. Let me ask you another one to uh, uh, maybe pivot away. Um, that the classic Wahoo McDaniel's from the AWA oh uh, Super, Super Clash Three, man, yes, that sir. was painful. 
wonderful that that Indian strap match, um, and even the red welts on both of y'all. Was that actually as painful and 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 bloody as it looked? I mean, yeah, I'll just, it sure was. As a, now, yeah, as yeah, a yeah, shoot. yeah, sure. You know why? Some lady kept calling him Squallow, and every time she yelled Squallow, I always punch the lady in the mouth. The more she yelled, the more harder, the harder he hit me. <laughs> but no, wow. man, ESPN, ESPN wouldn't even air it. They would not air it because it was too bloody, too gruesome, too vicious. So they wouldn't air it years ago. I guess they're in it now. But let me tell you something. If I admired anybody in this profession, it's Wow. Wow was one of the greatest Native American athletes ever lived. Football player, 13 years in the NFL, All-American, Oklahoma. Still holds the record for punts. I love Wahoo McDaniels. I made a ton of money while I support 5X Wyatt, bro. I made that much money in wrestling Wahoo McDaniels. Either way, babyface or heel. Me and him went out there and we knew it was going to be a war. We knew when we walked to the ring, somebody was going to get beat up. Either he was going to kill me with strap, or I was going to get him with my chops, or he was going to get me with a chop and break my nose. He broke my nose three times. <laughs> we just knew right. it was going to be a fight. And, and nobody doubted it. You know, everybody's like, God damn, you guys screw each other. Well, that's what we do, bro. That's our living. You know, we're not, we're not boxers. We're not teachers. We're out there wrestlers. And if we beat the shit out of each other, we respect one another more than anything. I love the old man more than anybody who knows. A lot of people know the, the love between me and Wahoo, the guys, the young guys. Every time I train a young guy, Travis, Sam Bass, Jeremy, all, the, all I talk about is Wahoo. Wahoo is a great man, you know, and, and, and to this day it hurts not them being around. I miss my guys. I miss Dusty. I miss Wahoo. I miss Dickie, Mulligan. I miss those guys because it was like a brotherhood, man. It was like being back in the military with those guys that you lay your life down for. You know what I'm saying? And yes. it's gone, man. It's gone in this profession. All the brotherhood, the boys. It used to be the boys, the boys, the boys on the road, the boys over here. And sometimes I get that with Tommy Rich. You know, we go down the road, Tommy gets a little drunk up and he's drinking too much and everything. I remember those old days, you know, when we were all fun, having yeah. fun, getting out, eating, getting over it, rowdy with people playing around, ribs. That's the fun part of my life. But I know, like Terry said, all that's gone, kid. There's not many of us left. We're dinosaurs, kid. Terry told me, we're dinosaurs, kid. When we're dead, we die off, it's going to be over. And that's a sad thing. Because yeah. wrestling's a beautiful, beautiful thing. It really is. You know? Yeah. They still do They still do appreciate a good match and don't need a soap opera storyline um, in Japan. That is one yeah. of the last few crowds that, that do appreciate. They appreciate the in-ring, in-ring ability of yes. the match. Yes. True. Uh, and we had one of those uh, last night, I'll tell you right. And I wish you guys could have been there last night. We had one of those old school. <laughs> Man, I was right, just beat that crap out of each other. That's yeah. real good. That's awesome. Man, I will say this. Um, I, I know that uh, I've, I think I've seen you wrestle once when I was uh, a kid. My grandpa advertised Garrett's Carpet Center on um, uh-huh. uh I want to say a station in Macon. Um, I'd have to get with my family members to remember. Macon, anyway, Georgia? Yeah, Macon, Georgia. Yeah, yeah, and, I um, love Macon, Georgia. And, and you guys used to film uh, north of Macon, south of Atlanta, pretty much Atlanta. Right. Um, and uh, I want to say I got to meet a few of you guys. You were wrestling. And I want to say that I remember, I think you wrestled Kent Glover. Maybe the maybe a jobber you don't even remember, but uh, yeah, yeah, I remember King Glover. Yeah, 
Okay. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this then. If you remember that, do you know about what year that might have been? Probably 81, 82. Okay. It's been a long, long time ago when we did Atlanta TV. It had to be 81, 82. Yeah, because we used to, uh, we took over Georgia Championship Wrestling, w, WCW did. Then we started doing TV. Then we did Macon, then Columbus, Georgia, Rowan, Georgia. You know, we do all the, the Georgia town, but Macon was right there. So it had to yeah, be 81, yeah. 82, maybe even 83. But I know it was one of those times. I know, I remember that. Gotcha. Do you watch the product of the day, Manny? Do you do you watch the uh, Monday night or Tuesday night product or the uh, TNA stuff? Do you watch anything that's uh, current? I don't watch. I don't watch any wrestling at all. Never have in my life. Not even myself. And then lately, yeah, because people are saying, "Look at your video, dude. Look what you're doing." This Ray Odyssey, Ray Odyssey, big Philadelphia Eagle fan, big Philly fan. Ray Odyssey out of Cherry Point, uh, New Jersey. He told me one time. You were doing stuff back then that people can't do today, Manny. People can't do what you were doing back then. They can't even do it today. So I always respected that, you know, about Ray. And and and, and I saw some of the matches, like some of the better ones with Arn Anderson. I never was into wrestling. When I, when I finished my wrestling and I got out of the dressing room and got in my car, it was over. I didn't think about it. I had no magazines, no pictures, no nothing. I never collected nothing. Wrestling was just something I had to do because I couldn't do nothing else. Now... And my daughters are getting older, and my girls are getting. She's saying, "Hey, you need to start collecting this stuff. People know who you are." Said, I ain't shit. I have no. It's like I got to almost ruin your legacy. I ain't got no damn legacy. My legacy is Manny Fernandez, period. And when I get buried in the cemetery, in the veteran cemetery, there's my legacy. I don't give a shit what you say about me. You a tough guy on Facebook? I punch good. What are the keyboard muscles? Whatever. Good dude. Good dude. You ever see me face to face and tell me what I am? You know, and I don't believe in that. I don't believe in legends stuff. I believe legends are buried in Arlington Cemetery. Those are legends. Those are my brothers that gave up their life for our freedom. For me to wrestle, for me to sit over here, teach Jeremy, teach Travis, teach Sam, teach whoever I want to teach this knowledge that I get handed to. That is why I believe the Arlington Cemetery is where legends are. And that's my thought. Gotcha. Nobody would probably ever argue that. No, they shouldn't. Because you know, I was gonna, I was gonna ask you if you were watching the product that that who impressed you out there today. Do do you know any of the uh, wrestlers other than the independent circuit? Uh, anybody worth noting that actually catches your eye and impresses you in any way? Ricky Reyes Jr., uh, Cortez Castro for Lucha Underground. I had one of the best matches. You know, when I wrestled with him about six months ago, I thought I was in a time warp. I thought it was 1979 again. This kid got in the ring with me, never seen me in life. I've never seen him. And he listened to everything I said. He followed direction completely. We had one health, tore the building down. Cortez Castro, uh, you know, he's there. He's I, Lucha Underground's got him, but Ricky Reyes, Jr., man, that kid is unreal. It's unreal. Right now he's hot all over the country like homicide. Homicide, I could be personal, you know, partial because he's, one, he's mine. He's mine. But, you know, he's a hell of a worker, low-key. I mean, these guys at WWE, does, the reason they don't take them is because they're intimidated by them. That's like me. They were intimidated by me. You know, but, you know, I wasn't going to put horns on my head. You weren't going to make me a fool. We're going to do an idea for you. We're going to put horns on your head. You'd be like a bull. Go to hell. Kiss my ass. My mom raised a man, not an idiot. You know? So, it's just, you know, it's just these young kids like Ricky Reyes and Homicide and Low Key, those are guys I've seen, you know, that, that really have skills. And I look at them and go, 
Why ain't these guys making money? They're better than the garbage they got up there. And then to tell you the truth, when I go take my kids to try out, I always go with them for support. I sit in the damn catering room with Booker T, my guy Booker T. I don't even watch that crap. I sit in catering. <laughs> sit there in catering. Alicia Fox always brings me my cake. And here, Manny, gives me my hug. Maddie Neidhart, they all, you know, they all come on and say hi. And I don't watch that crap. I really don't. You know, it does not impress me. But that's coming from an amateur wrestling standpoint. I believe wrestling should be taught a shoot into a work, not work into a shoot. You know, I'd rather shoot on you and then work. You know, but that's just Manny Fernandez's point of view. And, then, you know, and then, like I said, I'm just one person. I'm just Manny Fernandez. Other people can think different, but we're all entitled for our freedoms. Your opinion, I fought for your freedom to have your opinion. So, you know, that's my idea of that. Right. Yep. Now, let me ask you, um, on your way up from the uh, Mid-Southern Promotions to uh, AWA to NWA, um, you even wrestled in Puerto Rico, didn't you, correct? Am yeah, I man. Heck yeah. Uh, they tried to kill me in Puerto Rico. What are you talking about? <laughs> Puerto Rican people, they, they would attack the ring every time I beat up Carlos Colon and left him lying down there. They did, You know, in Puerto Rico, you wrestle outdoors in baseball stadiums, and all the chairs were made of wood, so they'd crash, break them chairs and throw the... I got him so mad one time. They kept breaking chairs and throwing him in the ring. Every time they threw a piece of wood, I hit, I hit Carlos with it. <laughs> he go, stop throwing chairs. He'll beat me to death with the wood. <laughs> out of all these promotions, which was your favorite? Um, overall, looking back at it now at 63, what was your favorite out of all those promotions? Uh, to tell you the truth, Joe Blanchard, Southwest Championship Wrestling. Joe Blanchard, Tully's dad, was one hell of a man. Tully's dad, Joe Blanchard, took damn good care of me. I mean, I was making three, four grand a week back in the 80s. You know, that's a lot of money, you know, back in the day. I mean, Joe Blanchard was one of those guys, you know, you could probably get around and everything, and you see him when you'd show up in the building. Here he is setting up his ring, getting it ready for the boys, you know. And he owned the territory. And he was out there working. So I always admired Joe for that. And I had a blast. I was happy there because I was let be myself. They let me be myself. And Florida I have was tied down because uh, Eddie Graham kept me down because I was a rookie. And it was the first rookie in, in the history of pro wrestling that had a, a major title in eight months in the business. That was unheard of. You know, so, yeah, I understand him tying me down and, and uh, saying, Manny, you're going to get uh, $1,800 a week budget, and that's what you're getting. You're going to get an $1,800 a week salary because I don't want to get the other guys jealous to put time in before you. And I understood that. I understood that. You know, I respected that, you know. But $1,800 a week in 1979, that's a lot of money. I'd take that now in a skinny minute. Yeah. Yeah, everybody. But, you know, that's what I got. And, yeah, I, Joe Blanchard, I just the, – the hardest thing for me to do was tell Joe Blanchard I was leaving. I gave, gave him my notice. He took over mid-Atlantic. He said, Mulligan's – but when six-foot-ten Mulligan comes over, he says, come here, kid. Give me notice now. Yes, sir. I was going to argue with him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm, not, I'm done, not, not many people would argue notice. with you. Not many people would argue with you about not arguing with him on that. No. Sure. And I gave my notice. But hey, I could tell Joe Blanchard was hurt by it because I had the territory pretty hard and we were making money. It was, but, you know, Dusty called and he was my booker and you know, he gave me my big break in Florida. So I had to go. And, and plus, I, you know, when I got here, Barry was still learning, and Magnum T was still learning. So I had to get in there in the off days and train with him, show him the stuff that, 
and I picked it up pretty fast, but I picked it up because I was surrounded by fuck by awesome guys. I mean, Jesus Christ, you know, you get in the ring with Dickie Murdoch. Dickie Murdoch to me was a great was one of the greatest workers ever. Even Terry Funk, uh, he goes, he's Terry Funk. I think he goes, "Oh, you are too, kid." I said, "No, I'm not. <laughs> I just go out there and beat people up." <laughs> right. And, yeah. But, uh, well, what was your if you, looking back? What was your favorite single match? Um, not tag team single match. What was your favorite match? Looking back, which one? Oh my god! You know how many of those I had between Wahoo and Wally Race and Terry and Dory and, and Jesus Don Morocco. Oh my god, bro! Budgie McGraw. I mean, I couldn't say that. That'd be unfair to anyone. God rest his soul. I mean, James. <laughs> Those guys carried me. No, they carried me. I mean, D- D- Dickie carried me when I was young and thought I ever So did Terry, so did Dory, so did Don Morocco. I mean, King Curtis, Harley Race. All them guys carried me. I mean, they, they, they literally protected me. You know, they told me everything to do, and I just followed. And I couldn't ever choose that. I, it'd be impossible. To tell you the truth, no. It's not like today with these clowns, I can tell you, but no. I was very protected with some of the greatest legends of pro wrestling ever. It'd be a hard thing to tell you guys. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Who was uh, as far as uh, we? I tend to ask this the most wrestlers. If I don't, Sony will catch it for me. Um, traveling. Whenever you traveled, you, you actually traveled for so many different pr- promotions that you may have a couple different people. But uh, Doug, who was your uh, who was who was your traveling buddies? Who was you uh, running the roads with? Okay, when I started Eminem Promotions, Amarillo Territory, when I finally agreed to it, it was Dickie and Mulligan, because they had two uh, uh, identical Lincoln Continentals with suicide doors, suicide doors, and every time we'd pull over the the doors would open this way, so when they, when I got out to pee, they shut the doors and take off on me. <laughs> I was like, wait, what are you doing? And they'd take off down the road about 10 miles, I'd be walking down the road, and they'd come back. <laughs> Same thing with Jack and Jerry in Florida. In Florida Territory, the minute Jack and Jerry Briscoe found out I was brought up by Dick Murdoch, and they used to smoke them uh, Cheech and Chong joints, right? And I was a beer drinker. I never did no drugs or nothing. And and they would roll up the windows on Lincoln. He had a Lincoln Continental, Bill Blast Lincoln Continental, and they'd lock the windows on me and smoke that thing up like Cheech and Chong. I'd be like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'm trying to get the window down. I'm going, come on, man. Get the window down. By the time I get from Tampa to Jacksonville, I got out of the car and I had a contact eye. I'd be wobbling out. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I had fun with Jack and Jerry Briscoe pulled more ribs on me, being that I came up with Murdoch. And they know how Murdoch, everybody said Murdoch was a KK member and he didn't do this, he hated. No, it wasn't all that. That's bullshit. It was just folklore. But they, they knew that Diggy didn't like drugs or nothing, so. So they always with me about that, you know, and would, you know, do stupid things like, they, they told me, get in the trunk, we're going to move the boys. And I'd get in the trunk of the car, they popped the latch on the trunk, and I'd pop my ass out, and it'd be in front of Denny's restaurant. <laughs> I'd go like, oh, God, guys, thanks a lot, man. <laughs> and then I'd shut the trunk, and they'd leave me in the trunk. <laughs> I had some good uh, times with these guys, man. And me and Barry Windham, we had, I mean, I had some great travels, but Barry Windham me, we rolled the truck for five times one time, almost killed each other, but we had fun. You know, we'd go down the road, shoot. Barry had this big shotgun, goose and shotgun. We'd pull up on Humperdinck and them guys and shoot that shotgun over that car. Boom, instead of living crap out of them. <laughs> no, baby, it's okay. That's my little service dog. That's my little service dog, but, yeah. But, uh, 
No, man. I had great fun. And like I said, this last road trip with Tommy Rich, he reminded me of the old days because Tommy got all little chunked up and we went to the Waffle House, almost got arrested. <laughs> so I had to calm, calm everybody down. Believe it or not, I did the calming down. Come here, bud. So it was cool. Yeah. And right now I'm doing road trips. I'm going to take tra- my boy Travis Hooker on the road and my, my autistic kid, Jeremy. We just got back from a road trip from uh, Pennsylvania and New Jersey. So I'm having fun on the road again. It makes me feel young again. You know, I don't yeah. like flying anymore because I've flown all my life since college football, NFL, military, and, you know, all the years in pro wrestling. It's just the odds on me going down, I don't like that. <laughs> you know, I'm yeah. not saying that's going to happen, but I don't want to take any more chances. So. Yeah. Well, what, what what's one more of those Puerto Rican stories you can tell? Um, our listeners, for sure, we're down here in South and the and the Bible Belt. Um, how does it go down there? What's some differences between the Puerto Rican wrestling? The I, I guess you would travel there, right? Or did you just do a couple? Yeah, they shows? fly me in there. They fly me in there, and then I had a big big guy named Gary Albright was All American University of Nebraska. He's a guy that could beat up Les Brock, Les Brock Lesnar with his eyes closed. They call him Gary Albright. He used to call him, uh, he'd give you your wings. He could suplex you from anywhere. But I was in, in Puerto Rico with him, and when I got home with Carlos Colon, me and him, we'd rent a car, and we'd drive down to Guacayamo and Acaguas, Puerto Rico. And one time we are coming home after I did that big angle with, with Carlos and took the belt off him. We went under an underpass, and they threw a cinder block to the window, and it came into the window, Crashed right on me and I'll bite the whole glass. I was on busting my lips. I had to get my lips sewn back on. The people are crazy in Puerto Rico. They take that crap. And then, and then after that, man, it was like, okay, well, that's what people do. I go, what do you mean that's what people do? The animals or something? What the hell? They made no big deal of it. You know? And we'd have to go to me and Crash. You guys know uh, Bill DeMont Crash? He uh, was a trainer of WWE for a while. But I trained him in Puerto Rico. We're going, we'd have to fight our way to the gym. We'd have to hide behind cars. And in Puerto Rico, had those little Suzuki Jeeps. Remember those little Suzuki Jeeps? And they'd be sitting there with bottles full, full of the Jeep full of bottles and trying to hit us with them bottles. We'd have to go from car to car just to get to the gym. Dang. <laughs> people in Puerto Rico. I told people, if you don't know how to get heat and afraid to get heat, then don't be a heel. You better be able to get heat and then people hate you. That's what I was told, taught to do. So I made people hate me. Right. What? Um, where were you at? Were you in America or were you overseas? Whenever the uh, st- the stabbing incident, you got stabbed a few times over in yeah, Asia, right? In, yes, sir. Yeah, I was in Tokyo. Uh, they all knew how close I was to Brody, so I got bad news in Tokyo. You see, I was supposed to go to Tokyo, San Juan, Atlanta, Charlotte, and when that happened, Brody he changed my ticket, and I just got pissed. I said, No, I'm going to San Juan. No, my niece son, you know, go. And I know, no, I'm going to San Juan. I don't leave a brother behind, brother. That's not the way I was trained. So, I changed my ticket anyway. I got to Puerto Rico. My wife was flight attendant anyhow. I just, I <laughs> well, could bomb yeah. anyway. Yeah, they couldn't mess with me. I could bomb them anyway. Yeah, so, you know, those are the memories that hurt, you know, because I miss my brothers. I just miss every now and then when I'm on the road to think about them, the fun we had together. Things that we did, you know, to one another. Ribs, 
it's a dying thing in the, in the business anymore. You rib anybody nowadays? They're like, oh man, I can't believe you did that to me. Oh. And we used to rib each other hard and laugh about it. Now people cry about it, you know. Go cry in advance. They didn't see your dish to me. Yeah, I agree. You're probably right. Um, There's probably no hazing or anything in the (laughs) political world now. Yeah, it sucks, man. Like my shirt says, I can't stand your political. You can't stand my patriotism. I can't stand your spineless ass. Nice. You got any good Thunderbolt Patterson stories? We had Thunderbolt the first time. You know, Thunderbolt was busted up pretty good. The first time they put Ole and Arn together, Ole, you know, Thunderbolt was better to get around, really. And Thunderbolt's a tough, pretty tough guy. He's a great guy. Great guy. But Ole was trying to hurt him, and I jumped in the ring and slapped the hell out of Ole. He said, hey, try me. Try me. That's why Ole didn't last long with us at uh, WCU. Because I told Dusty, I'm either going to hurt him or I'm going to kill him. You decide. You know, I couldn't stand him. He's, a, he's an idiot. He's an idiot. He thinks everybody's beneath him. Ain't nobody beneath anybody. Uh, right. Uh, that's about Let it. Because about, I didn't stay along with Thunderbolt. Let me ask you about the intro, We Will Rock You. Um, that brought a lot, of, a lot of viewers and attention to you guys. Um, correct me, was that just your tag team intro song, or did you do yeah. that solo at all? No, that was, uh, For Whom the Bell Tolls was my single by Metallica. I love Metallica. That was my single intro. Uh, the we Will Rock You was actually my fifth wife. Picked that for me and Ruth. She said, you guys are champs. You look like champs. So why don't you come out to this? And I said, wow, queen, cool. Yeah, I like Freddie Mercury. Yeah, no, it fit. People reacted to it very well. Yeah, and for some reason it fit. Even people like when we went to Philly, people loved us. They hated Rock and Roll Express. (laughs) I literally had to cut people, stop talking to me. (laughs) You know, I ain't talking to you. I don't like you. (laughs) You know, yeah. How did the the tag team with uh, Jimmy Valiant come to be the. What did y'all call that? The the B and B, the B and B connection. Uh, that's when I was in the doghouse. When Jesse got mad at me and put me in guys that I, he knew I wouldn't want to tag with, and you know I didn't do. Jimmy Valiant's a great hand, great talent, but I don't do Tennessee high spots. I don't poke you in the ass and pee on you like a dog. I don't do that. I don't wrestle like that. And he, he knew I was in the doghouse because I beat up Tully Blanchard in Baltimore. So I was in the doghouse. So I ended up being on bottom. But Jimmy, which is all right, it was cool. I mean. But I just, it wasn't me. And he already knew that after a while I was married and happy, I was either going to leave or he was going to have to get me out of there. And that's, thank God, Rude came. <laughs> right. Well, I remember you and guys then, had some different matches. I know one of them was against Abdul the Butcher, and I can't remember who he teamed with, but you guys had a good fuse and stuff. I mean, it turned out to do half decent. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. No, no, I worked hard with anybody. With anybody. That's, you know, I'm 100% in the ring. I don't care who I have. I'm, you know, once I'm in that ring, that's my dumb way. And I, I don't cheat the people of nothing. They, they paid their money. They're going to get pulled out, Manny Fernandez. Yeah, we had great matches. Baron Monlosky, Abdullah Butcher is what you're talking about. And I love the Baron. I love him. The Baron used to come and claw and make me laugh so hard because the way he would come at me, claw. <laughs> yeah, uh, those, I miss those kind of times in the ring because I got to have fun. It's, you know, it's like Murdoch told me. If it's not paradise in the rain, get the hell out. 
then it's not fun no more. It's got to be paradise. It's not. It's no fun no more. Right. Yeah, our our buddy Sony over here, he's a friend with Abdullah the Butcher. Um, yeah, Abby's uh, a great guy. Well, I don't know. Yeah, I don't. Abby. I don't know about. I don't know about good friends, but I mean, I got to. I get to hang out with him at his restaurant. He used to have a couple of times, yeah. and uh, in Atlanta, Abdullah the Butcher's house of ribs and Chinese food. That's so, it, and Mike, I, I think. And I think, Mike, uh, the tag team you're talking about is Abdullah the Butcher and the Barbarian. Oh, yeah, yeah, Bob Barb. I know we did one with uh, Barb and, and Raskin. I mean, Abby and Raskin and Barb and, and uh, Abby. Yeah. Yeah, Bob Barron's a great guy, man. That's a great guy, too. I have fun with him, yeah. too. A lot of good matches with him. That's super individual. You're talking about well, a bunch gotta... of great guys. That's what, that's what the business is missing. The guys loved one another, respected one another. We put our lives in each other's hands and took care of each other. That's you know, that's that's what's gone in our business. Yeah. Well, we've got a few minutes left. I'm gonna get Stoney to get in a couple questions. I know he's developed some over the course of the conversation. He'd like to ask, and um, and uh, maybe I'll come back and close it out or whatever. But uh, um, Stoney, go ahead. I know you got something you're you're wanting to ask the raging bull here. Well, you know, Mike's talked a lot about about some of the different promotions, and and one thing that that I always thought was pretty exciting is um, is I mean, you started uh, around '77 and, and pretty much started making your name around the Florida Championship Wrestling, um, uh, feuding with Funk, teaming up with Dusty, uh, winning the NWA World Tag Team Titles. I mean, for one of my favorites, Ivan Koloff with Don Cronodal. Um can you, can you uh, talk about uh, some of the uh, that beginning and and Florida uh, Florida championship wrestling or championship wrestling from Florida because that was a back then that was like one of the top areas in the in the country for wrestling. It was it was the number one uh, territory in the country. Florida was Eddie Graham was a pretty great guy, president of NWA, great guy was a young guy, good pay guy. That's where you wanted to go. And then we had territories all nine territories, but. Florida was the number one territory. And when I got there, it just what I love about what they did with me is it made me earn my dues. I paid my dues. I opened up shows. Hey, it's like I told the guy last night. Hey, I'll open the show. I don't give a damn. <laughs> I'll have a better match than anybody else. So you can put me on first. You know, I enjoyed paying my way up. I first match, second match, third match. Then it pushed me up a little bit higher, going from 15-minute Broadways, 20-minute Broadways, and then learning to go get over. You know, in Florida... I learned respect to the business because they didn't push me just because I had this fire and they knew I could do money. No, they made me earn it. And I earned it properly. That's what I posted on Facebook. That cards where it was Manny Fernandez, the opening match, Manny Fernandez, the second match. I said, I paid my dues. I earned my wages to the top by these guys, by knowing what it was like to open up a show, knowing what it was to open church to curtain, as we call it, and going out there and setting the table for other people. That's why I love people like Jenny Brown, Hector Guerrero, whose birthday it is today. Happy birthday, my brother. I love you. And and those guys set the table for me when I became a main inventor, even though they say, hey, you put food on my table, Manny Fernandez, you see, because of you, my family's eating, you know, eating good. No, if it weren't for them, I wouldn't have been nothing because they set the table for me. I go out there and pick my ass and get over. That's what I learned to do. And that's what my guys did for me once I got to that point where I had to carry a card. Half these guys you got right now, 
if they had their own living like we did, but after the city, they'd be broke. They'd be starving. I'll tell you that right now. None of these guys I can look at would ever really draw if it had to be put after the seats. Now you're under contract with this. You're going to get paid no matter what. But back in the day, I just I earned the respect of the guys because I earned my way to the top. Nobody put me on top. That's what I loved about the sport. Plus, I had Eddie Graham. Eddie Graham, man, when I was a rookie there, they made me fly with him. Now, everybody knows Eddie Graham was a heavy drinker, and he would fly drunk. But he would sit there and he'd tell me these I'd sit there and go, why is this man telling me this? He'd tell me, hey, you get in the ring, kid, you got to paint the picture, tell a story, the angles mean everything. Pictures and angles mean everything. He would give me all this knowledge for free. And then I realized later on in life, I'm going, man, that's unbelievable what this man did with me. He taught me all this stuff, you know? So that's why, I mean, Florida was amazing to me because it filled my head full of knowledge, knowledge that I could express to other people and make it say, hey, it's about psychology. It's about timing, charisma. Have that, and then you got the hit factor. Doesn't matter what you look like, as long as you got an hit factor. And I learned that in Florida. I learned that from Eddie Graham. Well, you know, you uh, during your time in the NWA, you you pretty much traveled quite a bit to the different territories. Got uh, different championships: um, Central States, Florida, uh, uh, Mid Atlantic. What would you say probably if if you had to pick favorites, your favorite singles championship championship that you had and your favorite tag team championship that you had? Do you want to know the truth? The belt on my yeah. back. I didn't care for belts. <laughs> I try to tell you the honest <laughs> truth. I got, uh, the greatest line I ever heard was Eddie Graham. The belt don't make the man. The man makes the belt. So if you don't have a belt, you can make yourself. And I was the most person. I got fined by Crockett. I threw my. I left my belt in O'Hara, the O'Hara uh, Airport in Chicago. I was dragging to the ring. I didn't like belts. I'm sorry. I didn't just. I know what the business is about, you know. And I was proud of my amateur background in wrestling. I was NCAA seventh NCAA zone. That wrestling, that kind of wrestling, was real to me. This other stuff, well, I, I to this day, I tell people, I don't just pay me. I don't need a belt. You want me to get over? I'll get over. Don't worry about the belt. Keep your belts. I don't need them. But that that was, I don't know. Every territory I went to, I became a champion. Why? I don't know. I guess, the key, you know, they wanted a guy. She asked to be a champion, but I was over without the belt. I didn't need a belt, you know. I'm one of the worst ones that anybody ever wants to put a belt on. I'm the first one going to hell no. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, you walk in dressing rooms today, Everybody's got a dead gone belt. They're walking around with belts. You got a belt. You're champions of what? It's a work. You're champion of nothing. You go out here at UFC, go out there and win a belt. See if you can win a belt, huh? Yeah. They won't do that. They damn sure won't. You know, but in Paul Russian, everybody got a belt. You get all of them online. <laughs> no, no. It just, I love the territories I was in. I was glad that I could come in and, and, and make money for everybody in the territory. I was a God-given gift, I guess. I don't know. Because I'm the ugliest son of a bitch on the planet. And, you know, I couldn't believe that people loved me that way. And then they hated me enough to come out and want to see me get my ass kicked, which is okay with me either way. You know, like I said, I admit I'm the biggest ass on the planet. Doesn't bother me a bit. But no, belts, it was not my thing. Sorry. <laughs> so um, uh, we are mainly um, uh, uh, southeast. 
um, coverage, but also noticed that you, uh, I can remember back uh, your time in Southwest Championship Wrestling, which I love Southwest. One of my favorites was Gino Hernandez from that time period. Uh, The Grapplers, um, Bob Sweetan, a bunch of them. Yeah. What's that? Beat me if you can, the Grappler. Beat me if you can. <laughs> I love Vin I had great matches with Vin Denton, brother. The grappler was off. Gino Hernandez, man, I wish he would still be. I mean, I wish that when Gino Hernandez was a hell of a talent. I enjoyed wrestling Gino Hernandez. You know, the only times I got mad is when he came to the ring all coked up. And I had to stretch him a little bit to tell him, hey, dude, don't do that again. I don't care what you do after this. I, we all do bad things after our matches, but don't do it during my matches because I will hurt you. Yeah. You know, you, we have that understanding, of course, whatever happened, you know, what happened to him was bad, but then Denton was a hell. Bob Sweeten was a hell, hell of a worker, you know. Too bad he got caught stealing out of the boy's pocket and got blackballed. You know, he was a thief. He got caught doing it and not into his career. So, yeah. you know. Yeah. But you're talking yeah, about I, uh, about some of the things outside of the ring or after the ring or keep it out of the ring. So, so what did Manny do that was party outside of the ring? Manny was the biggest party dog in the world. People used to want to hang with Manny Fernandez. Why? I could do everything. I snort Peru if I had to. I would drink all night long, fight all night long. Everybody wanted to run with the bull. They wanted to go around saying, I drank with the bull. I kept up with a bull. <laughs> I was the biggest party dog fighter. I'd do anything, bro. <laughs> I wouldn't face nothing. So, 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 I'd be a bull dog. So you were the biggest. So you were the, So everybody wanted to hang with the bull. You were the biggest. Okay, so who, who could hang with out of all the other wrestlers? Who could hang with Manny the most, or who maybe out of all the other wrestlers did Manny maybe have a hard time keeping up with? <laughs> That's a good question. Let's <laughs> uh, see. We could drink Murdoch, Mulligan, Andre. I could never keep up with that. <laughs> I tried one night. I'm going to crawl it all the way home. <laughs> uh, and I couldn't keep up with it. Nobody could keep up with Andre. We went to Tokyo, Japan, 14 hour flight. We literally drank everything off the airplane. The lady kept coming back saying, Sir, there's no more liquor. There's no more anything. <laughs> and that was more Andre than me because. He was literally, I was literally passed out. Yeah, those guys they couldn't keep us, but you know they weren't around me all the time, so it's a different territory. So and Dusty didn't drink that much anymore. It was basically to me. I was the biggest one. Anybody wanted to go out have fun, they had to go follow me. I got into everything, brother. I wanted to play the shit. I went everywhere. I had connected brothers in Philadelphia, South Philly and stuff, New Jersey. I had people that were connected. You know what I mean by connected? I'd hang out with them all night. Get you know women and whatever I wanted. Everyone, I, I had no fear. I just went. I did everything. My, as long as it was done after I finished my performance, got in the ring and wrestled, I didn't give a shit. It was my time, and when I did it on my time, I did everything. There was nothing I wouldn't try, nothing I wouldn't do. That's my Fernandez. Cue ball, Carmichael, my friend Chris Jackson. He's. Uh, I hope that he, everything goes good. He's, he just passes a uh, test to become a police officer. Cue ball, Carmichael. He would hang with me, try to hang with me, but he, he kept up with me pretty good. He was pretty good. At, uh, later on, in later years when I was doing independence, stuff, coming to Japan, back and forth in Japan. But yeah, he did good. Uh, Travis Hooker, he tried it once or twice. He tried it the other night, tried to hang with me. 
I hadn't drunk in a while, and I put them on the table. <laughs> this is me, man. I love having fun. I love having fun. That's See, I kind of had to, I kind of had to ask that for Mike because he's a he's a rock and roll promoter, so he has to deal with like all these crazies. So I kind of had to ask that for Mike, didn't I? Hey Mike, we got the party, brother. We got to go out with uh, Metallica. Get Metallica down here. I've been on stage with him twice. We got plastered. <laughs> nice, nice. Hey, let me ask you since we're just shooting, how much coke was going through the average house show? Not TV or televised pay-per-views and stuff in the 80s. You talking about between, ounces? Uh, ounces? Just, just how, how how much cocaine between, let's say, Hawk and, and a few of the others and, and, the, Hawk and, and the boys? Hawk and Hawk could do a damn half a kilo. Jeez. <laughs> Hawk could do half a kilo. <laughs> and they say it was the good shit, too. They don't say it was all the cut shit like now. No, they say it was the good yeah, we had we had like I said, I had people connecting in Philly and all that. No, we didn't get no cut. They knew better than that. We had all them people. Me and I could do half a kilo. <laughs> oh God! We, me and Hawaii one time were doing rails in the damn bar. <laughs> and they were rails. <laughs> yeah. yeah, man, we had fun, brother. Back in the eighties, we had fun. Eighties was like the eighties cocaine was America's coffee. Yep, that was true. Especially wrestlers, and we did some good ones. And you know, we being who we were, half the time we didn't pay for it. You know, people just enjoyed you know partying with us and being with us. And we, we there was very few people we trusted. So if you were trusted by us, you you had to know us and we trusted you enough. You know, and they, they knew better than bringing shit. They wouldn't bring no crap. All right. Yeah, Stoney's a little older than me, so he remembers the '80s and partying and good blow and all that stuff. That's the fun times in the eighties, bro. Too bad there's a this there's this generation of eighties doesn't understand it. It is fun out there, you know, you don't have to be all criminalized and everything. You don't have to break the law, but you still have fun. You still have fun, you know. Life's about having yeah. fun. And I have fun in my life and I'm still having fun. Too got a bunch of young kids here I hang out with and wanna drink a few beers with and get crazy and tease people. That's just me. You know, I'm never gonna change. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that, man. Hey, it got you no. 63 years to here, right? Yep. Like my girl told some idiot. Some idiot keeps doubting my service, even though I posted my DD-214. Read it, stupid. It says, under honorable conditions. So apparently I served somewhere. She told me, hey, that old man's going to be tipped to the day he die. So I suggest you sit the hell up and pray that he don't find you. <laughs> but, you know, people are stupid. We got to deal with it. The bad thing about our world today is so much stupidity, and, and people just blow it away, which... You know, that should be corrected. Maybe everybody stop being politically correct. Stupid people, you're never going to get rid of anyway. No, no. no. I mean, and I'll be the first to say, um, I think America's outgrown the two-party system where Americans are supposed to be grouped into two. Americans are so diverse now that you can't put people into two distinct groups. There's just no no way. No, You're always going to have what we have until... Until that, until that's addressed, it's just yeah. going to be a, yeah. an issue. It's like I, this, I, I you know. To, I try not to get too political, but I mean that's just that's just fact based. That's just common yeah, knowledge, street smart shit. If you just yeah. look at TV, you know that we we're that's just divisive. 
So, you know, we, we need more than a two-party system. You know, it's either this way or that way. Like, you know, hey, I lean a little left on some stuff and I lean a little right on some stuff. I've got enough guns to kill uh, a fucking gang. You know what I mean? But at the same time, there's some stuff I lean a little left on. And and I don't think nobody needs to put nobody in a box. And that's where the frustration comes from. And that's where the kind of getting pissed off back at the government comes from. Am I wrong? Yeah. Yeah, you're right. 100% right. It's like this. I don't vote. Never vote since I come back from Vietnam because of what happened there. I don't vote. So, I, you know, I, I understand what people like and dislike, but I'm like you. If Trump wants to do this and make America greater, good. Let's get it done. Shut up and get it done. Everybody else, you lost. Take it. It's just like anything else in life. If you win, don't be crying about it. Be, be next time. Trump's doing a good job killing terrorists. Kill them all. Kill them all. That's all I say. Kill them all. Bring our kids home. We don't need our kids out there dying because people don't respect it anyway. People don't respect what they're doing. They don't care what they're doing. They don't care if they come out in a draped coffin. No, they don't. They care about NFL football players. Whoopee. Yeah, uh, You're doctor. lucky they even play the game. You know? as, as, as a real shoot question as, and, and as an ex-military guy like yourself, um, do you think it's kind of a little ridiculous how much we spend on defense? On what? On defense? Mm-hmm. Oh, no, no, you know why? We learned a very valuable lesson in Vietnam in World War II. We learned a valuable right. lesson about not being prepared. Now, with all these guys, that little Korean monkey running his mouth and all that crap, you know, we got the most powerful military in the world. We got the most powerful Navy in the ocean. Nobody can touch us in the ocean. And that's the way we want to do We want to play the underdog. Oh, yeah, yeah, we're worried about this and that. No, we're not. But you go ahead and push the wrong button, find out how awesome we are. Because... I think we should be prepared. There's too many because of the way things are going right now and the way people are reacting. That gives terrorists hope. They're giving hope because we're kneeling down on a flag. We look to put they're fighting against each other over their own flag. That gives these idiots hope that they can get to America, hope that they can do something like they did in 9-11. And that's the hope that our old Trump knocks out of their head, gets out of their life, put them down, put them down now, put them down hard, well, you know- don't have to deal with it. Well, you know, I honestly believe that um, if, if somebody did try the 9-11 thing with us, that would be their worst fear because that was the last time we were – we weren't divided. We were united. It didn't matter what yep. color, what – what it didn't matter. The day after 9-11, God damn it, we were Americans. And if yeah. you fucked with us, you fucked with all of us. And that was – That's it. That was a proud time. But I'm going to tell you, I hope it doesn't take that to get back on the same page. Me too. Me too. I do too, because you know it's a lot of young kids out there protecting our freedom. A lot of young wives could be widowed and mothers lose their kids. Now we don't need that crap. That's why I say stay strong, stay vigilant, and put them down hard. Put them down hard. If yeah. you blow bikes, then blow bikes, then blow all them people up. They want to run their mouth, put them down. That's what I believe, man. That's the way I am. That's the way I run my life. Yeah. You want to talk crap about me? Disrespect me? I'm gonna put you down. When I do, I'm gonna put you down so hard you'll never think about. It. Ever doing something to me again. Right. Let me ask you this. During the wrestling stuff, whenever you were wrestling and we had some of the conflicts and the Iran, the, well, the many conflicts you know about as ex-military, and you were wrestling in different places, did you ever get heat, tension, or was there ever a time when y'all canceled any shows in certain places, um, overseas, anything like that due to a military or political climate? No. Nah. Ah. No, not at all. Not at all. Uh, you know, uh, what I love about Japan, 
is when I went to Japan, I always lived by my mom's rule. When in Rome, be like the Romans. So I learned Japanese on my own. I learned their language. And once they saw me learning and trying to learn, they loved me. They, they took care of me and they helped me with it and stuff. So I learned to speak Japanese on my own, but I did it pretty good. So, you know, I always, my mom was so great about everything she taught me, you know. And, you know, she taught me never fear fear, you know. And fear is only fear if you let it be fear. You know, my mom was great about that. Like in Rome, be like the Romans. So I always had those little thoughts my mom taught me when I was growing up. So I, I didn't feel like a stranger anymore, especially coming back from Vietnam. I really didn't feel like much of a stranger anymore. I already knew what that side of the world was all about. So I got to add a glimpse, you know, had an idea where I was going all the time. So I wasn't really doing anything. Right. Right. Hey, Stoney, as a fellow guy that moved from place to place to place, did how long did how Stony? How long were you in Germany? How was I wearing Germany? Yeah, you, did you do most of your growing up in Germany? Uh, my early years, I did in Germany, and, and when you talk, when you want to talk about uh, patriotic, I mean, you know, we lived in Germany, so of course, you know, the Berlin Wall was always looming not that far away. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think right. one of uh, one of my greatest memories was going to the uh, DYA, the dependent activities, which basically, you know, the kids would go to hang out. And uh, watching the Americans beat the Russians in 1980 in That's Olympic hockey to get to – people don't remember, people forget that – that that wasn't for the gold medal. That was to medal, get no, to the gold medal. But it was yeah. such a big deal that they beat the Russians in hockey that I, I can remember running out and all of us kids running out into the street and the Germans, we were surrounded by Germans, you know, we were Americans living in a foreign country. And I'm, I'm, I know they must have thought we were crazy. We were all like 13, 14 running out yelling USA, USA. Um, and not the not you know not like they do you know marking out at at wrestling events now, but right. truly yelling USA USA like it was the Fourth of July, and I'm sure the Germans thought we were like out of our minds, but it just it just you just believed in it, and I'm sure people from other countries felt that way as well when they were watching the Olympics back then, and and yeah. um, it was just a whole different thing now. Uh, now it's almost like patriotism. It doesn't have, unless, like Mike said, unless there's something that brings the country together, we we spend too much time wanting to be hurt. We want people, we want to go on Facebook and we want people to hear us bitch and complain. We want to be heard. We want people to go, oh, you have something to say. Well, how about you have something to do instead of something to say for a change? Yeah. And back then, yeah. we, we, we said and we did. Yes, we did. And now it's all about whining. Everybody wants to whine about this, whine about that. Bull crap. I mean, I don't know if it's ever going to change. I might not be around for that, but, you know, what I can put in is the attitude. I'm trying to change the attitude. People have pro wrestling now. You know, anybody can get into it, and you end up with trash baggers, and you end up with some poor kid dead. So I try to change that because it's worth it to me. You know, like I said, I was given this business on a silver platter, and, uh, I deserve to be treated right, you know, and I deserve to give it back. The knowledge to my young guys, you know, Jeremy and Travis and Sam and the young guys, Mike and Ryan, these young kids, my distant kids coming up, they deserve that knowledge. I mean, if you're going to bitch about something, bitch about yourself not doing anything, you know. 
and so many people like you go out here and there's homeless vets on the street and there's 20 year old kids and, and standing in line getting food stamps and getting a monthly check because there's go for that kid kids and you know and there's a poor vet that don't even get nothing you know so you can bitch about that part of your life the guy that served his life and not dealing with a lot of things because things he did serving his country is a hard thing to deal with and he's out there on the street that's, that's something that people should really take a look at you know? yeah so we're down to where we don't have that much time mike so uh, why don't we do this? What we like to do is we like to pride ourselves as not being typical of, of, of wrestling talk shows. So me and Mike are going to bounce back some quick questions for you that you might not necessarily hear every time you get interviewed. So I'm going to kick it off with this, Manny. And, I, and normally I do the music stuff, but I'm going to leave that for Mike this time because he's the rock and roll guy. So I'm going to go a little different. So what I'm going to ask is, is back in the days when you were you were hitting the roads, whether it be Georgia, the Carolinas, anywhere else, and you guys had to stop. And you had you had the, those those out of the out of the way places to stop for your break. Where were what were some of your favorite places, whether it be down home, mom and pop, homegrown, or chain, whatever, to stop and get that good meal to get you to Plan B? Oh man, Florida steak and shakes, Florida steak and shakes, man, best uh, best food ever, steak and shake in Florida, best milkshakes, best thing, steak burgers and stuff, and then skinny little fries, man, I love steak and shake, that was awesome right there. All right, Mike, your turn. All right. Hey, I wanted to ask you real quick. Um, uh, you versus Invader number 54, whenever that dude bled all over the place. Um, uh, how did that go down, man? What actually happened? There's so many rumors to that shit. Um, let, me, let me put it into what? that room, okay? That went down because he, he, he took out a brother of mine. I was going to try to get payback. I was taught payback. I would get payback. I don't leave a brother behind. You know, and that's what I was taught when I served my country. I was going to get payback. You took out one of mine, I'm going to take out 10 years. Payback's this. A lot of people can say all the rumors they want, but let me ask you this. You said there was one idiot goes, he drank a gallon of vodka and drank two pints of gold blood. Now, how many people are going to drink a gallon of vodka and not be drunk in the ring with me? You already know you're in the ring with a half psycho. My mom didn't raise a fool. She raised a psycho. <laughs> and I'm going to get in that ring, and I'm going to beat the hell out of you. So if you're going to drink a damn... Uh, gallon of, of, of uh, what, 100 proof vodka, then drink uh, two things of pints of pig blood. Do you honestly think you're going to get thrown around the ring like that? You'd be thrown up before you even got in the ring. All the stupidity of people guessing is because they don't know. What you, they don't know what I know happened. I'll have to answer that when my time comes. I have to answer the man, man, okay, the real man, when my time is done on this planet. But, you know, you can think what you want, but I know what I did. And that's, that's, I didn't. I didn't get enough payback. That's all. Basically, being the ground. You should be in the ground pushing up the dirt. But that's that's the end of that. Right on. Right on. Cool, I was cool. just, I was just all right. there. I was, no, no pressure. <laughs> Go ahead, Sony. <laughs> all right. Well, we know, like in this day and age, Manny, that just about everybody has done a shoot interview. 
and you can go on YouTube. They sell them. High Spot sells them. You, I mean, everybody. I mean, even like the most insignificant person on the face of the planet has done a shoot interview. So, out of the ones you may have seen, or maybe you haven't seen, who would probably be who? Who you might have you heard that have done, has done a shoot interview that maybe was the biggest bull crap on the planet should have never done a shoot interview because they probably couldn't tell the truth just to save their life. Kevin Nash. My piece of shit. Oh. <laughs> I'm gonna beat the hell out of that piece <laughs> of shit. He was speaking on Ricky Morton. Kevin Nash from Kevin Nash. Kevin Nash was Vinny Vegas and you know he was odds. That's the made him odds and he came out Vinny Vegas. Then he came out Diesel. The poor guy had all these names but still couldn't make it. He got pushed with N O W and all that. And I'll just after a while I just he petered out. You know, longevity in our business is beyond top 40 years. I had that opportunity. Funk had that opportunity. Dusty Rhodes. All the guys that put longevity in our business are main event anywhere in the country. Then, you know, but the, you want to talk about a guy that was every every name in the book except dickhead? Yeah, okay. Give him that. He shouldn't be talking about nothing in this business. But he does. They all do. Well, I don't listen to no, no stupid shoot videos. I mean, they ask me to do something. I tell the truth like I'm telling you guys. And there's nothing for me to be afraid of. You guys ready for some beer, huh? Yeah, they, my boys are out here going, hey, we're ready for beer. <laughs> yeah, that's about it, bro. All right. All right, Mike. Uh, we are down to our getting done. You got any final things for Manny before we wrap up? I got one final fantastic last question. Um, you can name up to five if you wanted to, and a brief reason why. Um, Manny, if you could go and bitch slap five wrestlers or his less, um, who would they be and why? Uh, it would be one guy. That's not of the five wrestlers I can't say. I mean, I hit a bunch of them there today, but one guy run a bitch slap five times, Hulk Hogan, Terry Bolle. <laughs> For everything he did in his business, I mean, uh, you know, that's the only guy I really would say I would – Want to walk home and bitch slap him? I'd rather bitch slap him five times and tell him he's a piece of shit, you know? Now he got all that money out of that lawsuit, I'll be all happy, but, you know, hey, I'm not that kind of person, you know? Everybody's got their differences in life. I'm picking up merits. If I'm wrong, I can admit I'm wrong and walk away from it. But, you know, a guy like that, I'll never admit he's wrong. I'll never admit anything. So, you know, that's a, if I got five bitch slaps, I'd bitch slap him five times. Gotcha. Well, man, I appreciate everything you do. Hope your hope your Chiefs go very far. I predict they Thank will. You. I don't see why they wouldn't. Um, hope everything's good for you. Your independent stuff's going great. You keep traveling. Um, Any events coming up? Yeah, we got the event of uh, the East Coast Championship Wrestling uh, October 28th, a Halloween party with a costume contest for the kids. Uh, proceeds going to help, help the homeless vets. And, you know, Everything we can do with the community, it's uh, October 28th, Myrtle Beach at X Gym, Tommy Richards Promotion, Tommy Richards School of Wrestling. Uh, head trainer, I don't know that guy's name, some idiot named Manny Fernandez. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> so, yeah. so, yeah, that's what we got going on this this month, which is building up a big show for the veterans and the kids. Cool. Well, I, that's about it for me, man. I just wanted to uh, also thank you for coming on the show thank and uh, hanging out with me, Tony. And uh, Tony, take it away, buddy. 
All right. Well, you guys, you have been listening to GWH TV Talk on the Georgia Wrestling History site. I want to once again thank you, Manny Fernandez, for calling in and hanging out with us. Man, what a a great time, guys. If, if, If you dig this... Hit us up, man, and make sure that, that, that you go online. You can find anything online. Go online and follow Manny. I mean, he's going to be doing this. What are you going to be doing this for like another 40 years, right? So no, uh, tell your kids. Your kids can follow Manny, too. We can all just follow. We can make it a family thing, right? Go. Heck yeah, that's what I love. I train everybody as a family. And I love that. I love that. So there you go. We can make we can make it a family thing. You take your kids, go see Manny. You support the community. Then you drop your kids off, and then you can find Manny parties somewhere afterwards as adults. It works for everybody. And then in twenty years, when your kids get old enough, Manny's still gonna be doing it. Yeah. So. <laughs> So, uh, thanks everybody again for listening. Of course, gwhnewsandnotes.blogspot.com. Um, Want to give a shout out once again for Mike tonight, and of course to our usual other host, Will Wheeler, who is on a date tonight, and uh, and and our pre-tape host, uh, Kenny J, who is probably uh, probably doing the coffee thing, the corporate thing tonight. Um, but everybody out there, stay safe and, and make sure that, that, that you go online and you support this great wrestling in the past. Georgia, Carolina, Tennessee, Florida. And, and, and like I said, check out Manny. And I'm going to go ahead and ask Manny, you got any last words for anybody who may be listening or who might listen to us on our archive? Take a big note, man. Think about the veteran that's out there on the street and think about the young guys who are taking our freedom. Think about that. Think about unity. Unite America. Don't fight against America. Be together. There you go. Great, great words to listen to, to, to live by. Thank you, brother. I'll have a good night. All right. You have a good one and and safe travels. All right. For, uh, Thank you for, for for all the guys. This is Stoney. You've been listening to G, GWH TV Talk, and we will see you again next Sunday. We thank you for listening to this broadcast, a production brought to you by the GWH Radio Network. Stay tuned to GeorgiaWrestlingHistory.com for the latest information on upcoming events and more. As always, we thank you for your continued support.